Hello, this is Father John Ahmed, and I think this is the fifth time we've tried to record this um, podcast. Lost him. I'm with my good friend John, and I am in civilian clothes. To those of you who are watching on Spotify or YouTube, those of you listening to us on a podcast provider and you don't have video, no worries, we'll explain the whole thing to you. And today, we're dressed casual, we're dressed California casual, John is because we're revisiting a topic that we made a podcast on before, and that is remembering the Jesus Revolution. Yeah. And uh, both John and I have something in common. We attend the same parish. Uh, he's one of our parishioners, very faithful one, plays the bass in our contemporary worship band. And also, we both came to a born again faith in jesus christ during yes, the jesus yes, revolution what year did you come to faith in christ i came to, it was i can put it to the month i can't put it to the day uh, uh it was in march of 1973 all right and i was Sometime in the winter of 1977. Okay. So anyway, we're going to share our screen with you. And today's podcast is the Jesus Revolution Then and Now. Hey, John, did you know that the Jesus Revolution is now playing on Netflix? Yes, I, I do know that. So those of you who have Netflix, you can watch it on Netflix. Those of you who have access to online media can probably find it and do a pay-per-view thing on the Jesus Revolution then and now movie. And uh, today's full title, John, is OK Boomer, the Jesus Revolution then and now, because not only do we just have in common, we go to the same parish church and we were both came to a born-again faith in the Jesus Revolution, but we're both baby boomers. Yes, we are. And those of you watching us and listening to us probably have heard this expression, okay, boomer. It's something uh, millennials, Gen Zers say when uh, baby boomers talk down to you. And so we're going to kind of make fun of ourselves and uh, we're going to do a little bit, hopefully not talking down, but kind of saging, being sages. Right. So we're going to give some observations of the Jesus movement then and the Jesus movement now. So we're two grumpy old boomers today from the Jesus revolution. Do we have anything to teach the younger folks, John? Um, yeah, the two grumpy boomers. Like, <laughs> it reminds me of Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets. Um, All right, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, that's we're dating ourselves, John. We're dating ourselves. Uh, what was the question again? Okay, boomer, we're moving on. Okay, we yeah, are just proves I'm a boomer. We're moving on, folks. We probably lost half the half the people <laughs> listening to us already, so we're moving on. All right, hey, on the screen right now, there is a clip, an actual clip. It's even in color, very bad color, but it's a clip I got off of YouTube of Calvary Chapel in 1970. And uh, later, John was to go down to Southern California, mm -hmm. and we'll tell you a little bit more about that. 
Right. Um, but John, you were telling me that this was the second Calvary Chapel building, not the first one. Um, this building that they are in now was yes. like they were not in this building. They this was transitional. Um, this building actually became a Christian bookstore later on. So while they are in this building in 1970, I think they were all already having another building built. Okay, folks. <clears throat> so those of you listening and not yeah. watching, no worries. We'll explain uh, the video clip we're going to share with you. It's it's for long hair hippie types. Yeah. Shame on them. And a building, a small chapel building, cram-packed mostly with people in their teens and 20s. And they're listening to this genre of music that was just invented jesus rock music right nobody had ever heard of such a thing in fact everything that had been said before about rock music was it's of the devil and so the fact that it was being played in a church was truly um not only novel but astounding let's listen to the clip And again, we're just seeing a video, a pan, a, a pan shot <clears throat> casting over the chapel building. Again, every every pew or chairs or whatever they're sitting in is just completely, I think their pews is completely full. Um, no, no, uh, no hand raising to be seen. A lot of gum chewing, John. Yes. And, and John says he remembers singing this song. That's how old you are, Boomer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was really young when I was a little older than me. Forgive my smoker's cough, folks. It's my allergies kicking in in the morning. Just bear with me. And so we're going to continue to listen a little bit more again. Just some guys on acoustic guitars. They're not, they're not in any way performing. They're just kind of playing their thing. <laughs> bit of the kind of a grateful dead sound don't you think yeah and this is kind of just typical hippie music of the day mm -hmm. and again this was calvary chapel 1970 we're gonna do one more slide and then we're gonna do a little bit of talking so our next slide is of lonnie frisbee who uh, was a prominent evangelist in the jesus movement 
there's a lot we could say about Lonnie Frisbee. You can learn a lot uh, just by watching the Jesus Revolution movie. And just a disclaimer, neither John nor I have any uh, financial investment in promoting the Jesus Revolution movie. Not at all. So no, uh, no dog in the fight here, folks. But uh, Lonnie Frisbee, uh, we're looking at a picture of him before we start the video. Very long-haired beard. Kind of maybe looks a little bit like Jesus and those old, old European paintings of Jesus. <clears throat> He's going to be introduced by a pastor that most people probably don't know his name. His name was Ken Gullickson. My understanding is that he was, uh, upon a time, a Lutheran pastor who began to minister to young people in the Los Angeles area. And he started a series of home churches, Bible study groups that he called the Vineyard. Right. Later, John Wimber of Yorba Linda Calvary Chapel would join with Kin and they would form the Vineyard Christian Fellowship. Also on this video, you'll see Chuck Smith and the lady whose TV show this is was a TV evangelist named Catherine Coleman. And you can find out more about her if you want. She was not instrumental in the Jesus movement other than that she supported it. Right. Not everybody. They were uh, Catherine Coleman was a Pentecostal and not in the beginning. Pentecostals and other types as well were probably not very supportive of the Jesus uh, people movement. But here we go. Here's Lonnie Frisbee giving his testimony. And I, when he gives it, uh, I want you folks to listen that um, this isn't a felt needs message by Lonnie. This is a this is an old gospel message being preached by a guy with long hair and a beard and kind of hippie clothes. Here we go. Trying to look like Jesus. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather look like. <laughs> Jesus, he changed my life. And I, I kind of relate it to like David the psalmist when he says that thou hast lifted me up from the dunghill and he has placed my feet on a solid rock. And Jesus has lifted me up out of a horrible pit He's washed my, my heart from all the sins and all of the, the evil that I had gotten myself into. And since then, I'm all cleaned up now. <laughs> and... Isn't that a wonderful feeling? Yeah. <laughs> and only Jesus could have done it. That's right. He's, he's, give, he's given me a message in my heart. And that, that's a message, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And he, and he said in his word to me, I would receive power after that the Holy Ghost would come upon me. And I waited upon the Lord, and the Holy Ghost came upon me, all right. <laughs> yeah, I got it down to the tips of my toes. So Lonnie says, everyone who believes will be saved, and everyone who rejects the gospel will be damned. <clears throat> yeah, not exactly your uh, seeker-friendly uh, message. Yeah, and uh, he's he's given his testimony, and he's just preaching the evangelical gospel. Uh, 
without any shame, without any fear, without any apprehension. No. And it's resonating. And, and so the message is that these are the last days and that Jesus Christ is returning really soon. And the prophet Joel and the prophet Peter said that in the last days that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and that his sons and daughters would prophesy and that his servants and handmaidens would speak forth the anointed word of God. I'm a servant of God and I'm a child of God and God is raising up from the very bottom and he's raising up the, the foolish and what the world considers That's dumb yeah. and he's, he's putting his spirit upon him and he's anointing him and they're starting to preach the gospel and thousands of people are starting to get saved. All right, and interesting, John, is that this is what we continue to preach in our parish and in our ministry. Yeah. It's what we continue to preach, that we believe that Jesus is returning soon. We're still, mm -hmm. we're still children of this um, Jesus revolution with this expectation of the imminent return of Christ. And boy, doesn't it look like it's, it's just around the corner, I'm telling you. Amen to that. And uh, just the plain gospel, and we're also preaching what Lonnie is preaching, is that God is pouring his spirit on all flesh. If, if you haven't been immersed in the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, endued with the Holy Spirit, clothed with the Holy Spirit power, however you want to express it. To us, it's not a theology. It's an encounter of power where God empowers you through that Acts chapter 2 experience. We're preaching the same thing Lonnie is, and uh, we praise God for Lonnie's boldness. Amen. Continuing on, I think it's worth listening to his whole testimony. There's two more minutes left, folks. Hang with us. Everywhere. And so it's thrilling. It sure is. <laughs> and so because these are the last days, God has chosen himself some prophets. And the church for so long has been expecting a certain mold of, of what a Christian should look like or what a Christian should be or what a Christian should say. And God is blowing everybody's mind <laughs> because he's saving he's saving the the hippies. And nobody thought a hippie could be saved. <laughs> and so he's pulled us up. He's given us the message. We're going forth and proclaiming the good news. Jesus is coming back. Repent and turn to the Lord and save yourselves from this evil generation because he comes to judge the quick and the dead. How has he changed your life, Lonnie? Well, the Lord says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So there's... A lot of young people sitting around or kind of look like they're sitting on the floor, really. The only ones sitting in a chair are the old folks like us right now. Lonnie's standing and preaching. And um, again, this message, is, this message is resonating, folks. It's resonating. Also, in the Jesus Revolution movie, those of you who've watched it, those of you who will watch it, this scene from this movie, this video is uh, portrayed in the movie. But in my opinion, you compare what the movie portrayed to this scene and the movie is inaccurate. 
because yeah. in the in the movie uh Catherine Kuhlman the actress playing Catherine Kuhlman says Lonnie are you one of those prophets and Lonnie goes yeah I am and <laughs> you don't hear him say that here and um in the last days Lonnie's right God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy God is raising up a prophetic generation. That's what he wants to do. I hope young people are listening to this, is that God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and empower you to operate in those nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, just like Lonnie did. Amen. Amen. All right, let's let Lonnie preach. I'll stop. All things pass away, and behold, all things become new. He's changed me all around. Really? Inside out. Through and through. <laughs> and the things you once loved, you have no desire for at all, right? Just went right out. And he says, I'll take your stony heart of unbelief and I'll put a new heart within you and place my spirit within you too. And so everything changes. He says, I'll become a well of living water gushing forth from within you. And that well of living water gets out everything else. And the new birth experience is real. Sure is. <laughs> the most real thing in the world. He's really, really real. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you know what Lonnie's talking about? Yeah. 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 <sighs> All right, folks, that was just delightful. That was just delightful. And again, the guy sitting right next to uh, Keith, Keith, I mean, excuse me, right next to Lonnie Frisbee was Ken Gullickson, the square looking guy. Right. And uh, that was a, that's from the 60s, 70s square. He just kind of looked like an establishment guy, kind of in a suit. And Ken Gullickson, again, was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And Keith Green, to those of you who want to know more about the Jesus Movement, Keith Green was one of the young people who definitely was a prominent leader in it. And uh, he was, he, he came, Keith Green came to faith in Ken Gullickson's ministry. All right, moving on, folks. Um, all right. Well, we're going to show a slide here, and then we're going to talk a little bit. What did our parents and grandparents think about the Jesus movement? What did they think about it? John, you came from a non-church family, so just right. kind of briefly just talk about those that our parents, you know, World War II generation parents my my parents were maybe a little i'm kind of the last of the baby boomers so my parents were a little bit older but by and large your parents were okay with it weren't they yes and no they um like you said my i didn't grow up in church uh although my dad read the bible every night and i credit him with that that's a memory that i'll never forget but um, I went from nothing to attending Bible study twice a week, going to church on Sundays by myself. At the age of 16, my mom and dad thought something weird was going on. But they let me do it yeah. because I wasn't doing drugs, right. wasn't drinking, right. wasn't carousing around. It could have been worse, you know. I mean, I came, I came from uh, a, a family with a Christian background. I had been baptized uh, Roman Catholic, and uh, my family were okay with it um, when I got involved in, in the church and in the uh, evangelical Jesus movement and had the born-again experience. And by and large, 
um, the generation that preceded us, we're okay with it. Um, however, they didn't want the Jesus music and the casualness in church. We could go to church in our blue jeans. That was okay because they'd rather have us go to church than not. But church wasn't contemporary church. In fact, folks, the church didn't become contemporary until well into the 1980s. Uh, there was a lot of tension from, you know, the mid-70s into the mid-80s about how churches should format their worship services. And again, we're going to we're going to talk to you about what a 1950s, early 1960s church service looked like. And so we're going to go back to our slideshow and do a little bit more sharing with you. Let's see if I can master the technology here, <laughs> being that I'm a boomer. All right. Still sharing. All right, moving forward here. We want to talk about our generation in the okay. words of the who. Our generation. A little, little bit off tune there. Um, we're going to talk to you young folks about the differences between your generation and our generation. And just so you let you know, folks, is that I do work as uh, a co-vocational missionary bishop and priest, and I help support myself through substitute teaching. I've coached uh, football in high school youth programs for over 20 years. I just retired um, <clears throat> from doing that. So I'm not totally unfamiliar with the younger generation. So we're going to get into this uh, baby boomer. Okay, boomer. We're going to talk about the generation of the uh, Jesus revolution. And John, take us away on that. You're a little bit older than me. And okay. just kind of explain just the highlights. We don't want to go into the weeds here, but just the highlights of what our generation was like well you know you've seen these internet things from the from the boomers basically which says i remember when we only had three channels on tv you actually had to go answer the phone that was attached <laughs> to the wall yeah um no mobile phones no mobile phones three channels on tv there was no such thing as the internet um so like 24 7 communication that was a thing of the future that was star trek stuff oh yeah we're living in a star trek world basically absolutely the age of the age of the computer has changed our world and it's also i should maybe say the age of the microchip but uh, it has also changed youth from then and and now that that is caused a a big difference and I think another thing that is different, John, is the way we were educated. Okay. Is, uh, again, uh, I was, uh, my undergrad was in education. And um, in high school and college, we, we were educated mostly, not always, but mostly under the Socratic method that that of question and answering mm -hmm. are by and large the best teachers the best teachers we had were teachers that wanted us to think 
They wanted to teach us how to learn and how to think. And excuse me, how to learn and how to think for ourselves. Right. So in uh, college, I had some real lefty socialist professors, but they absolutely loved it if we would think for ourselves and disagree with them. Sometimes we'd even get into a little bit of elevating our voices. But at the end of the day, when uh, I would do that, I would have some some spirited dialogue with my professors. At the end of the day, at the end of the quarter of the semester, there would be an A on my report card, not a C for cancel. They weren't interested in indoctrinating us. I had a lefty professor in high school <laughs> here in Little Old Forest Grove. Don't name names, Mr. I'm, Chapman. I'm, I'm, no. Was he? Wow, I didn't know that. He was a great guy. I loved him. He, he was one of those guys. We're talking about a social studies teacher we both had. Mr. Chapman, if you're listening to this, we love you. You're one of the best teachers we ever had because you wanted us to think for ourselves. Yep, he had a class called Modern Problems. Yeah. And that, that was the whole gist of that. So, okay, Boomer. Okay, okay, Boomer. All right. All right. We're looking to the camera. You youngsters right now, you young generation, is that by and large, you have been indoctrinated. Your professors, your teachers have been concerned of, of telling you how to think. Rather, they're teaching you to think for yourself, teaching you to learn for yourself. I know there's exceptions. And so this group think has gone on in our high schools and it's by and large progressive what we would call neoliberal which is illiberal i was taught by true liberals now our uh, high schools our colleges universities are filled with illiberal people and you can look up those terms if you don't really know what they mean okay boomer i will i will look up those terms quit talking down to me but um i love my lefty professors you know you made you made a point in one of the uh, one of our attempts that didn't make it yeah this is like our fifth attempt <laughs> to record this um that back then the idea of questioning authority was totally fine um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that'd be fine. It's what we did. I mean, it's what we did. Don't trust the man. I mean, <laughs> you know, in 1968, I was 12 years old. The whole Vietnam, I mean, there was pro starting with 68 into seven up through 72 when uh, people were protesting the Vietnam War. It was okay to question authority. And well, to a degree, to a degree. That's true. Kent State was kind of a pushback on that, but uh, kind of really more than that. Yeah. But um, if you look at videos from back then, like there's a video of, of Mario Savio, who led the uh, free speech movement on Berkeley. Hold on. Free speech movement, everybody. Hey, again, millennials, Gen Z, free speech movement led by a lefty. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer, go on. <laughs> okay. But if you see that video, one of the remarkable things is how conservative everybody looked. Yeah. You know, they looked conservative, and yet it was a valid movement. Um, and now it's like 
the, we've adopted the accoutrements of being free, and yet now we can't question authority. We get canceled. Not only do we get possibly canceled by the authority, we get canceled by the so-called influencers on the internet. Again, this is this is maybe going to say, okay, Boomer, tell us more. Is um, the young younger generation has um, been conditioned to a degree? Yeah. If you're in the younger generation, you may be the exception, you may be an exception, but your generation has been very conditioned. And let me just give you an example is I've heard I've heard um, college university professors, think tank people express this kind of wonderment is that I don't want to want to get into a hot button topic here, but I want to use it to be illustrative, you know, in. Even today, in I, I think the UC system, University of California system, is that vax, vax, COVID vaccinations are are mandatory, and by and right. large, by and large, most of the college students during the pandemic rolled up their sleeves and got vaxxed with an experimental vaccination that was of questionable benefit to them and of possible and it's looking more likely harmful, potentially harmful to them that the harm outweighed the benefit. And by and large, they just got in the line, rolled up their sleeves and they took the shot. In our day, I mean, one of two things would have happened is that we would have made an impolite gesture to those who told us to go get the shot or number two, we would have burned the place down. You know, by contrast, okay, and I'm not meaning to make points here on one side or the other. But in 1968, we had, I don't know if it was called a pandemic or an epidemic, but we had the Hong Kong flu, yeah. which killed a lot of people, actually. Yeah, it was bad. You know, you know what else happened in 1968? Yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, MLK, Bobby Kennedy, riots. Go I'm ahead. talking about an event that gathered a lot of people into one spot. Yeah. All of my musician friends would know this. Go ahead. Woodstock. Yeah, Woodstock. During during the Hong Kong flu epidemic, um, they weren't rolling up their hold sleeves. Hold right on. There was no there was no lockdown. There was no. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the Did truth. they mask? There was no. So Did they mask at Woodstock? <laughs> no. No. What no. if What if everybody would have said whatever? Hey, the Hong Kong flu is is really dangerous. Um, it's very virulent. It's 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 a serious and harmful thing, which it was. Um, we want everyone to wear a surgical mask during Woodstock. What would have been the uh, reaction? They, well, they would have said what they said to everybody anyway. I can't repeat that on right. here, but you... okay, okay, Boomer, okay, <laughs> Boomer, we're moving on. We're not we're not saying you should disobey authority just for the sake of disobeying it. What's the mentality? We're not even saying you should you should or shouldn't have gotten the vax. What we're saying is that this we were a generation that that independently were questioning, and I think maybe the biggest thing and the biggest difference that I see in generations is that we were asking with great frequency life's ultimate question. Now, as human beings, we all do, but man, we were looking for what is truth. 
What is purpose? What is meaning? Why am I here? And by and large, I don't see that in this young uh, generation that, um, and again, we're going to talk about media, but I think the way that you've been educated, the way your generation has been educated, and the advent of media has pacified you. And um, okay, Boomer, do you have anything else to talk down to the kiddos about today before we move on? Well, I hope it's not taken that way. Yeah, me too. Hopefully it's instructive and not... Yeah, we want to be edifying. We want to stir you. If you're a young person today, we want to stir you. We want to see in your generation what happened in ours. And if you were like we were then, you're not listening to us right now, but don't do that. <laughs> okay, Boomer. We told them how it was with young adults then and now. And so now we're putting up another slide and we're gonna talk about media then and now. And again, I just refer to it. Oh my goodness. What would we have been like if we had a mobile phone in our hands um, 18 hours a day? How would it have affected our generation? We would have said, where's my flying car? Actually, I'm still saying that. Yeah, um, it's coming. I don't doubt Actually, it. they're going to take away everybody's car and, <laughs> and, and inhibit us all from traveling, uh, except on government transportation. Oh, but, my goodness. Uh, um, you know, this, again, this control thing is just getting out of hand in our society. But seriously, mo mo moving into this media, difference is that uh we we didn't have that distraction where we were always on media and we yeah it would, it would have been impossible and think about this too john is that if if i want if i don't know something i just get on and google it and i find i, I find the answer believe it or not there was one time you had to go down to the library to look stuff up if you didn't have a dictionary or a set of encyclopedias. It was harder to find answers. <laughs> it was harder to find answers. Yeah. They weren't at the tip of your finger. And so I think that maybe made us a little bit more um, deliberative and intentional about finding answers to, yeah. to our lives and to meaning and truth and purpose. And uh, what is, what is, you know, what is my ontological reason for being here? It's interesting that today, uh, and, and I do this a little bit, but there's a tendency to use a lot of quotes from people with so-called authority rather than actually just reading what they said, you know? Um, so, yeah, media has really changed. And I think, I think in a bad way, it's pacified a generation, um, distracted a generation. You know, there is this um, saying from the Roman Empire, uh, give the people bread and circuses and they won't rebel. Mm -hmm. And our bread, our circuses are on, on the internet, on TikTok, um, on YouTube, and whatever is the latest <laughs> social media app we don't know about because we're too old, is that uh, it's pacified a generation where we didn't have to deal with it. On the other hand, the good thing is, is that 
um, the gospel is being proclaimed in so many different ways as has never been proclaimed before. You know, one thing to to bring up here is what happened with a lack of media, uh, which was the grassroots thing. I mean, here you had a Jesus movement that impacted the culture. The only the only outlets for media recognition were three channels on TV, your local newspaper and the radio. Everything else was by word of mouth. And, and those three, and it's not exactly there wasn't cancellation back then because everything came through an editor or something like that. If they decided that's newsworthy or not, um, you know, if they didn't think it was, you didn't get any airtime on television. So, yeah. Anyway, huge media difference. Huge. We could talk for a long time about how media has impacted uh, uh, this generation, both positively and negatively, and how the absence of having that internet, mobile phone, email, instantaneous news, um, instantaneous gratification, entertainment ha did not act, act, impact the Jesus uh, revolution generation. We want to head into some touchy waters of worship style, and we want to do uh, be very respectful here. I want to get a little bit more serious because I don't want to rail and I don't want to discourage people. But okay, Boomer, what we need to tell the youngsters here today is that both John and I have been worship leaders for many, many, many years. And yes. um, we weren't the well-known names who pioneered the contemporary praise and worship movement, but we were pioneering it. Mm -hmm. We were the first to do this in in churches. I'm a little I'm a little bit older than I look. Let's just put it that way. And and uh, he's aged better than I have. Yeah. Well, on the outside, inside, I'm like <laughs> so. Um, those of you who are the grandchildren, we're the children, you're the grandchildren of the Jesus Revolution. You inherited our contemporary praise and worship model. It's ours. We can tell you what to do with it. Okay, Boomer? Okay. All okay. right. All very, very Boomerish. All yes. All seriousness. All seriousness here is that John and I both have concerns about where the contemporary praise and worship movement went. In our first video, you saw the gum chewing kiddos sitting there and just, you know, just some innocent uh, uh, acoustic sounding hippie music. And they're kind of doing this peace and love trip thing and uh, unpretentiously playing their guitars and sharing their hippie music. And here it comes. And um, and I, I want you, I, you know, some of the times I can say I have seen the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit and felt his presence have been in times of contemporary worship, um, really intimate times with the Lord. So uh, we're not against contemporary worship. We pioneered it. We still do it. You're the bass player. Yeah. And yes, we do have drums in the church. We do. 
But let me just go on here and just kind of let you know, because some of you have no idea what worship was like when we were kids growing up in the traditional 1950s, 40s, 60s church, even early 70s church. And let's go ahead and, and present another slide here. And there's a picture here for those of you listening of a, of a chapel. Uh, it's a, it's a, a long, narrow chapel with two rows of pews uh, on, on either side and a one row down the middle. And the, the platform, also known in church language as a chancel, has a communion table on it. This is kind of the way we worship. We worshiped in, in neighborhood churches. The Protestant, right. even Catholics still do by and large today, but, but we evangelicals worshiped in neighborhood churches. Mm -hmm. That's where you, you went to church in your, in your town, in your neighborhood. Exactly. Not yeah. on a, not on the inner, the intersection of, of Interstate 80, 84 and I-5. <laughs> you, if you watch the Jesus Revolution movie uh, or rewatch it, uh, notice notice their worship services. They're they're very casual, okay. But that casuality was brought in from the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. So so even when we look at this picture, people are dressed pretty casual. I see a guy in blue jeans, and in our day, only kids could get away with that. Adults didn't wear blue jeans to church by and large. Maybe there was an exception in your area. Well, also. All the women here are wearing pants. You wouldn't have seen that in church. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. It's just, again, a casualty that's brought in the church. And again, this is a contemporary picture of the chapel worship service. And there was a call to worship. That's where you started out. There, a call to worship. So um, let us all stand and sing hymn number 562 in your hymnal. To God be the glory. And then there'd be an opening prayer. There'd be um, some announcements, some hymns, and and even as the contemporary praise and worship movement from the Jesus Revolution came into the church, it would be praise courses, very simple. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. And that was it. And we sing it again, these simple praise choruses. But the main thing of traditional 50s, 60s, even 70s parish church worship services using worship, musical worship with piano and organ. The main thing was drum roll. The sermon, the, oh, the sermon, yes, duh, of course, sermon, sermon, and then that was the main <laughs> thing, and then there'd be a benediction and dismissal. Yeah, if your pastor could really deliver a quality expository exegetical sermon mm -hmm. again, Calvary Chapel, I mean, it was it it was it 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 evolved. Excuse me for that word. It evolved into verse by verse preaching through the Bible, very very Bible expository exegetical. You can look those words up. Okay, boomer, we will. It, it wasn't a kind of a felt needs thing. It wasn't like, all right, today we're going to present three life hacks to make your life better. You know, it was it was expository 
explaining the Bible, what the Bible meant, and then some life application. Well, today, folks, today, the main thing in most contemporary praise and worship churches, the grandchildren, the grandchildren of the Jesus Revolution, the main thing is not sermon. Would you agree, John? Yes, I would agree. And what would you say the main thing is? Is the worship. Is the worship. Is the worship service. Yeah. And um, I think one of the reasons that the, the sermon, the word, isn't the main thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very nice here, is because there's such good and quantitative, a lot of great Bible teaching on the internet. Yes, I agree. I mean... I mean, we could probably spend all day today just listening to some really good preachers on the internet. Back in our day, the only thing we had was radio and TV, and the TV preachers were by and large, ill, okay? The, right. the radio guys weren't bad, especially when Chuck Smith and other those kind of uh, contemporary uh, pastors got on the radio, and yeah, and they were preaching the Bible, man. They were. I remember... Uh, as a young Christian, J. Vernon McGee, who seemed to never age, I know he's been gone for a long time, you hop on the Bible bus. In the Jesus Revolution movie, they they hold up their Bibles and they yeah. say something like, you know, this is the word of God. Now let's open it up. I mean, there's a really, a really high priority and primacy on scripture. Absolutely. And today the primacy is on uh, the musical worship. Mm -hmm. And again, some of you, okay, Boomer, talk down to us again. Some of you are calling musical worship, worship, and you don't realize it, that the whole, the whole worship service is worship. That's right. And worship it's is not an just Anglo the music. Yeah, it's, worship is an Anglo-Saxon word that means ascribing worth we ascribe yeah. worth to god and we still Worthship. we still call it a worship service instead of a worship gathering because our service is of worship to god that's right and so um i i, I prefer worship the term worship to like terms like celebration or something like that so we're showing another slide and again if Folks, if you're using hazers in your worship service, um, the last thing I want to do is accuse you of being sinful. Okay? If you go, Father John's making fun of us, he's accusing us of being sinful, um, I'm not doing that. But I am being Socratic, hopefully. Why are you using this technology in your worship service? What does it gain you? What does it get you? I'm sure, I'm sure that it is very cool. You know, you see it and it's super cool. And um, we, we have also, we're going to talk about, about this a, a little bit later. Uh, and we're, we're pretty close to the end. But uh, the, lo the locale of where the Jesus movement was in terms of where the, the where the Jesus movement again the grandchildren of the Jesus movement where that locale is today again uh, for most of us is that uh, worship services were attraction is are attractional we're trying to attract people and I think I think for the best use of using hazers in your worship service is because 
you, you're, you're wanting it to be attractional. You're wanting to bring people in. And uh, again, the, 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 early, the early Jesus movement worship services, I don't think we were trying to be attractional. We were trying to be ourselves. No, we weren't being, we weren't trying to be attractional. We weren't trying to be relevant. We just said, this is the music we relate to. I mean, we don't relate to, to piano and organ. And so anyway, let's just watch a few brief minutes of this. I'm not saying this is wrong. It's evil. I'm not trying to make fun of this man or saying you shouldn't patronize his company. I, I just, uh, this is just illustrative of kind of where we went from simple, simple uh, contemporary praise and worship, intimate, intimate worship services with the Lord to Hazers. This is a lighting cue. And this is a lighting design with haze. Quite the difference. And today I wanna to talk to you about four keys to achieving great haze in your space. All right, so um, this is kind of where we're at, is that we're studying four keys to getting great haze in our worship space. And again, is this really where we need to be heading to see another Jesus revolution? Is giving great hay shows. And some of you may answer, hey man, that's exactly what the Lord is telling us, Father John. And I'm tired of your okay boomer stuff. Okay, I love you, man. I love you. If the Lord's telling you to use hazers, you use as many hazers as you need to. But I, I want to just challenge you. Are, be intentional. Be intentional is the attractional model of contemporary praise and worship reaching the next generation. We think that that. It, it, it has reached folks that it has done some, the, some good work for the Lord, but we don't think that that's where um, we need to go to see the next Jesus revolution. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. Again, if the Lord tells you to use hazers and light shows and cool elements, I mean, you go for it. You go for it. And um, again, one of the leaders of the Jesus movement, Mario Morello, yeah. he wrote a book like uh, Glory, Fire, and something or another. I'm sorry, I don't remember the title. Excellent book. It came out during the pandemic. He made this comment. And again, let me just say this. The megachurch movement has, has done the, the work of the Lord. There's no doubt about it. So we're not, we're not saying it's, it's, it's from the pit. But what, what Mario said is that if the mega church model, the attractional church model, is the model that was going to re-evangelize our nation, our post-Christian nature, California would be the Bible Belt. Because that is the state that has produced the mega church models. John, you have anything to say about that? Just one thing, just an observation. Um, in pre-Jesus movement days, you go into a church and you had piano and organ. Those were your instrumentation for, for worship, for musical worship. Um, one way the Jesus movement disrupted that is 
it brought in guitars. Guitars are portable. You can't take the organ and the piano out right. on the beach. Right. And but you can take your guitar. Absolutely. And I think that was a thing that gets overlooked a lot is that with how evangelistic people in the Jesus movement were, they took worship out to the beach. They took they took worship out to the street corners. Now, and like I said, and that was novel. That was novel. Absolutely. Man, you believe they're worshiping on the beach. And they wouldn't, I'm, this is not, uh, this, I'm not to saying anything against people who do this. I love street musicians. I really do. But people who were out evangelizing were, did not have the guitar case open. They were there for a purpose to share the gospel. And that's what, that's what this form of worship, I guess, if you will, it kind of got mixed with evangelism where you couldn't do that in the old style of worship which is still valid by the way yeah um there's a few left doing that traditional worship style we, we still need people to come into church absolutely so there is a there is a uh, a point to creating a worship atmosphere in your space yeah. in your church building or whatever holy spirit come Amen. Bring, so, bring the atmosphere of heaven down here into this. And I, I think a couple things, too, is that the Jesus revolution brought in a casualness to worship. And it's true. And when we went to church as, uh, as kids, by and large, it was pretty stuffy. Even if we were folksy church, like people would come and hug your neck, you know, hey, how are you? I'm going to hug your neck. And, you know, I, uh, that was my grandfather's Baptist church. They hug your neck. But it was still kind of stuffy in the worship. So we brought this casualness in. And what the church, what whatever the evangelical church had left of this is that we eliminated sacred space. We did. And it's, I remember, if I could just really quick, seeing, because this was like 78. So it's pretty close to the Jesus movement. Uh seeing a poster i think that came out of the village voice and it was a shot from behind the pastor standing at the chancel giving a sermon and you're looking out at the people in the pews and they're all dressed all the young men were in ties all the women listening attentively bibles open in their laps and in the front row is jesus who is fast asleep and so it was sort of a poke in the eye at the traditional uh, worship service back then. And I think, uh, I think a lot of us Jesus, so-called Jesus freaks, um, kind of took that attitude a little bit sometimes, you know? Yeah. Anyway. I think the Jesus revolution brought in a emphasis on evangelism in, in the church. And here's how it was originally expressed, okay, is that, believe it or not, now some of you may not even know what Sunday school is. If not, um, you can look it up on the internet and kind of read the history about it. Okay, Boomer, we'll do that. But Sunday school at one time was better attended than church services. And that's why 
traditional evangelical churches had Sunday school and then worship because people would come to Sunday school and they'd say, okay, by the way, why don't you just come to our worship service after this? And so the, the Sunday schools were wildly popular in the early 20th century, mm -hmm. late 1800s. And um, the Jesus movement, by the time the Jesus movement was kind of kicking around, Sunday school had kind of like, oh, Sunday school. And so um, churches began to get revitalized, evangelical churches, about being deliberate about evangelizing. But the evangelization was out there, not in the church building. And so you had guys like Pastor, uh, oh my gosh, Pastor James Kennedy. Okay, my, oh, boomer, yeah. my boomer brain turned on, of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church mm -hmm. in Florida. Um, uh, it, uh, do what's evangelism explosion. I remember you that. had uh, you had a similar evangelism program in Southern Baptist churches. You had even a, a, a national campaign in the 70s. Remember the I Found It? I, I there participated. Were, there were bumper church. stickers I found it and people began to milk it and put I lost it bumper stickers on. <laughs> and so the Jesus movement the locus of evangelism was out there. Yeah. The grandchildren, okay, Boomer, tell us now. The locus of evangelism in the in the contemporary praise and worship now, the grandchildren of the Jesus movement is in here, in the building. And that's what we want to talk to you about. And I'll just show you the slide real quick here. The locale of the movement then and now. The locale of the movement then and now. I did not show you the slide. But uh, <laughs> in my boomer way, I'm technologically deficient. Here you go. There's the slide. Okay, boomer, tell us how it was then and now with the locale of the movement. Um, the locale of the movement then was grassroots. It was person to person, family to family, school to school. In fact, in the movie, in the movie uh, Jesus Revolution. Greg Laurie comes to faith by hearing Lonnie Frisbee preach on his high school campus. Right. And something you could do at one time, even here in the Portland, Oregon area, I heard a testimony by a guy who got saved with um, some alumni who came into a boarding of faith coming during lunch hour and preaching in the quad. He got saved during the lunch hour. It's still mm -hmm. a, still a faithful Christian. And, and, the the locale has moved and uh, again the the attractional worship service what it has created in my opinion is that everybody has to be one up and better one up and better now here's here's some bitterness is our little chapel service, John, can never can never compete with the bigger churches that have the digital stereo systems, haze machines, and light shows, and uh, you know real quality mag ma magicians or musicians, depending on how you look at it. Hey, we've got quality musicians. We're okay. <laughs> we carry a tune. You know, we would have been pretty good in the G the early days of the Jesus movement. That's for I sure. Think, right. But but you know, there's no way we can compete with the attractional church, and there's no reason that, that we true. would even try. We're not jealous about it. I mean. 
that's not the kind of church we're doing. We are a Eucharistic, we are a Eucharistic apostolic model church. And uh, a little bit of plug here um, is that if we have a video that Father, Father Dave and I made called, Are You Biblical or Apostolic? It's on YouTube, it's, it's on Spotify or your provider you're listening to. I really encourage you to listen to that because um, it sounds like, well, of course I'm biblical, but um, it's not enough today. You need to understand what the apostolic church believe. That is the, the church of the, the 100s, the church of the early 200s. You need to understand what they believed, and they are the church that gave us the New Testament. So if, if you have time, if you have time, it would really behoove you. What, what, I'm not saying it's going to change your perspective, but, but just so you're aware, just so you're aware. Okay, Boomer, we'll do that. Okay. <laughs> and good. And, and again, again, we have to use hazers. We have to use light shows. Um, we have to, to, to keep being attractional. And folks, there's no question that our culture is now post-Christian. Some of you still live in, in predominantly Bible Belt areas. Praise the Lord. Oh, we're grateful for you. But the, many of us, most of the country is becoming post-Christian. We already are on the, the left coast here, post-Christian. And so there's fewer fish in the barrel to catch, okay? In okay. terms of, in terms of, in terms of, hi, we're we're Ron and Janine Miller, and we're looking for a new church home with some great programming for our kids. And I mean, right. I rarely hear that. I heard that this week, that someone was looking for a great youth ministry and left a church because they didn't have it. So they went to a more attractional church where they had better youth ministry. And uh, hey, you know, if that's what they need, that's what they need. But there are fewer fish to catch like that. Mm -hmm. And so when there's fewer fish in the barrel to catch, people who are ready to be attracted then you got to be more and more attractional. You got to go into life hacks and and uh, hazer shows and and hey, folks, is is your church baptizing, saving people, getting getting them into be faithful disciples? I hope so. And if you're attractional, praise the Lord for that. Again, I think I qualified this enough, but um, we we need to really think about. I mean. Let me, uh, I'm having some technical difficulties. Let me see if I can do this. Okay. All right. We need to really think about what do we want to do? And again, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. I know this, but what are, what is our priority? Let me put it this way. What is your priority? I'm pointing. What is your priority? Is it to grow your church? To pack out? to pack out your Sunday service, or to build the kingdom. Read the Gospels and look at what Jesus' goal was. It was to build the kingdom. It was to go and make disciples. And we believe, we believe that has to be done at the grassroots level. Now, if the Lord is telling you, no, no, don't, 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 you know, quit boomering us, Father John, is that the all, y'all come here model, that's, that's what the Lord has spoke, do it, do it, do it as well as you can, do it for the glory of God, we're going to back you, yeah, we love it, you're reaching people, you're baptizing people, but for this generation to be rocked and socked and soaked, 
Lonnie Frisbee 101, Lonnie Frisbee 101, come Holy Spirit, person, person, signs and wonders. Amen. Am I preaching? I, I think that's what you Am do. I preaching? Did, did you catch me preaching? I think that's what you do. That's who you are. All right. Well, okay, Boomer, let's get going here. Let's go on to our, our next slide. We're just about wrapping this up. Uh, I think we have two slides, uh, three slides left. Uh, let's say two and a half. Okay. And I want to share this with you. And the next slide is uh, shelf life of, of revival then and now. Shelf life of the revival then and now. Okay, us boomers are going to see if we can get through the technology as my as my mouse has disappeared completely. I think it, it just was up there at the red. It was up there in the right trigger minute. Lost my mouse. The technology, okay. The technology is, okay, there we go. Technology is not working well for us today. The Jesus movement lasted from 1967 to 1980. That's 12 years. Mm -hmm. 12 years of impacting a generation of young people. And the sad thing I think about it is even in 12 years, and so many were saved. Some people say that the Jesus movement revolution was the greatest revival that this nation has ever seen. And in spite of, of how great it was, wow, its impact today is, is so minimal. But maybe I, you could think about it the other way. Where would we be today if we didn't have it then? Maybe we would be so post-Christian, so secular that uh, that the Jesus movement, you know, gave gave our generation a little bit more miles on the tires. <laughs> hey, uh, we're not making fun of the last revival movements here here in the United States, anyway, in, in, in any shape or way. We're grateful for uh, the the last uh, student student college uh, revival, what we saw, we believe it was of the Lord, we believe it was genuine and authentic, we have no criticism. Um, just as just a note, that revival movement lasted from February 8th, 2023 to February 24th, 2023, it lasted less than a month. And there were some other campuses impacted, so let's just give it two months. Shelf life of the Jesus movement was 12 years, the shelf life of the last revival, young people revival movement, maybe it was more of a renewal. Maybe that's the way we should look at it, but it was it was two months. And so what do you think about that, John? Well, you know, revivals do have, I mean, they do diminish over time, but it's not like they don't have everlasting impact. Uh, we still have the effects of the Jesus movement today, over 50 years later. We sure yeah. do. Um, but that doesn't mean it's still going on. A lot of that, you know, the, the, like, you know, the, the focus of the movie was Greg Laurie at, in high school. Now Greg Laurie's in his 70s. Yeah. So those. those and we praise God for you, Greg. We yeah. love you, man. We are so grateful for you. You know, you are Mar awesome. Mario Morello's not the young guy he was on the Calvert yeah. campus back. Then. Love you, Mario. 
all these guys, they are the leaders now. They are the megachurch pastors. Um, some of them, most of them, you know, the Jesus movement was actually not, did not have a monolithic head to it. So you could say Chuck yeah. Smith was. Yeah. Or maybe Billy Graham. Yeah. But it really was grassroots. And again, you had this, you you know, we're, we're, we always think of Jesus movement, California, it was on the East Coast. It was, it was in the Midwest. Um, in fact, in fact, the the that Jesus People Inc. was Chicago based. That's right, JPUSA. And and I mean, it was in Sweden. So this was a grassroots movement. I think one of the reasons that the shelf life of this last Jesus movement didn't really last is because it kind of got focused on the internet. You know, hey, we're live. It was live. I'm not saying we sh you shouldn't have live streamed it uh, again. Last time I'm going to qualify, nothing critical about it at all. But I think we got obsessed about it being there and on our computer monitors, and it never got grassroots. And maybe it will. Maybe it will. Maybe some little, maybe some little fires got started. Here's what the Lord has been speaking to me about. And let me just share my, my last, very last slide with you here is um, the Jesus movement then, now, and next, okay? So let's go ahead and, and start with the, the then. John, you're a little bit older than me. You were in Southern California. You were going to um, a Bible school, a theology school that was uh, associated with the the charismatic side of the right. Jesus movement. Um, just briefly, just what was great about them? Maybe what was what was some drawbacks? Um, what was great about them is it was Southern California, but they drew their student body from all over the United States and Australia. So it was international uh, to name the it's not there anymore. It's Melody Lane School of Theology um, in Anaheim, right across the street from Disneyland. I got kidded by my friends when I first went there, asking me if uh, if the pastor was uh, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and it was fun. But what was the vibe? What was the vibe? So just 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 describe the vibe then and. What what in your mind just made well it made had, it so so the roots of this revival so deep twelve it, years we're gonna it say. was eclectic meaning that you did have I mean the church itself that was attached to it Melody Land was more mainstream Pentecostal let's say the pastor came out of a Pentecostal background but the school drove. Uh, was populated by Jesus people mo mostly who wanted to follow the Lord in a deeper way. Learning why the hunger? Why the hunger? It was just there. Why? Why? Yeah, why? Uh, I, I wish you, we could answer, we could spend a whole yeah. other podcast on that. Yeah. I remember the know, vibe. The vibe was a hunger. There was a hunger for again. There was a hunger for spirituality. A lot of people were drifting into New Age. You know, a lot of people today are drifting into neo paganism and witchcraft. It's huge. I mean, you might be shocked how big it is. And 
And again, one of the things that, that is just kind of referred to in the Jesus Revolution movie is that uh, uh, the signs and wonders, the mm -hmm. power of the Holy Spirit, people being immediately delivered from drugs. I mean, drugs... Absolutely. Drugs were enslaving people. And and those of you who live in, in anywhere in the United States, I mean, our fentanyl issue, it's just, I mean, it just breaks my heart is that drugs are a huge issue. We've got to, we've got to ask the Holy Spirit like Lonnie did to pour out his flesh manifestly and get that power back. Enter into that power is that is that not bread and circuses, but signs and wonders. Absolutely. You know, I remember. Keep your hazers, man. Keep your light <laughs> shows. But ask for a outpouring of the Holy Spirit like Lonnie Absolutely. did. You know, and and by the way, I, I still have friends from Ohio. So the reach of even Melody Land back then was amazing. Uh, whom I still... Um, converse with on the internet so i'm not trashing the internet or facebook but um and chuck schumacher i'm talking to you david ashbrook both pastor friends of mine um but we still i mean we remember those days where like melody land which was a mega church it had a membership of twenty thousand people and this is just down the street from calvary chapel um they would have an altar call and people would come up and bring and lay their drug paraphernalia on the altar. Yeah. Um, and they would have to come back, come through with plastic bags and, and gloves to pick it all up. You know, um, we remember these things, healings that happened, not just in the church, in, in class, you know, worship would happen in class. Uh, the gifts of the spirit, you know? Yes, so there was a hunger that attracted people, but uh, God was faithful to meet those who were there. And um, the hunger just never went away, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know what God wants to do today? Here's what he's speaking to me. Maybe saying something different to you. And yeah, okay, Boomer, I can accept that. <laughs> I can accept that God is saying something different to some other people. But every time I hear people uh, in, in the greater evangelical, even charismatic evangelical church, talk about a, a new generational revival, it's always, hey, we've got to meet in someplace big. Let's get the big names in. There's nothing wrong with the big names, the personalities. They're anointed, they're gifted, but we're going to have a big event. And um, if you look at the history of revival, folks, and this is what the Lord is speaking to me, is that no, we need lots of little events, little events. Yeah, and if I could, you know, you referenced the college revival that basically happened on the internet. Yeah. As well as in that place. So, um, but I, I was thinking, I think that that's maybe the model. Not that we could make, make a model. It's going to be totally God-led. Yeah. But probably just having all kinds of little revivals happen all over the place. Hey, where was Lonnie? Where did Lonnie come into a born-again, spirit-filled uh, faith? You know where? What what context? A house. A house. We need, we need to have events in houses. We need lay preachers, lay ministers, 
people who are not ordained, people who are not priests. Again, I don't have my clergy, but I'm a priest. And um, we need we need to train lay evangelists, people like Lonnie, and mentor them and send them out house by house, person by person, school by school. We need to, to raise up a generation of, forgive me if this sounds blasphemous, we need to raise up a generation of Holy Spirit arsonists. And yes, I'm pointing again. Holy Spirit arsonists, people who will go out, find the dry wood, the broken people of this generation, and light the fire. Light the fire. And that's what we need to do now. Focus on the grassroots. Was it John Wesley who said, I just stand on a corner and light myself on fire and people come around and watch me burn? I have no idea. That sounds great, though. It does sound that great. That sounds great. That sounds great. And uh, again, um, our Hope on the Way ministry, one of the, the key components is that uh, we have a rekindle the fire home meetings is that we want to get in the homes. I have a new parachurch ministry called Missioners of the Holy Spirit. The whole, the whole theme of it is a parachurch ministry of helping, encouraging, equipping a next generation, old guys like us, old ladies like our, you know, our betters, and uh, to uh, go in grassroots and do the gifts of the Spirit and proclaim the gospel. I think this is what we need now. We need a, a generational revival at the grassroots level um, with that's faithful to the Word of God, but also that is able to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders. You know, I had a, I have a friend, a pastor, couple friend, and uh, um, my uh, Sheila, my my one of my pastor friends, is that she used to go down to the Burning Man. Um, oh. If you don't know what Burning Man is, you can look it up on the internet. I really don't want to take time to explain it, but it's kind of like this new age thing in the desert in California. And right. they set up like kind of, I just call, they didn't call this, but a signs and wonders tent. And really? they had, yeah, they had this, this, they didn't call it that. I don't know why they called it. Basically it was, you bring people into the tent and you do, you do the Holy Spirit ministry with them and share about the Lord. They brought this, this one gal in who was a Reiki practitioner, and you can look up Reiki if you're not sure what it is. It has to do with healing and energy and things like that. They brought her in, and they began to pray for her, and she said, this is beyond anything in terms of the power of Reiki. Is that, is that that's another change in generation, is that our generation was coming out of this very, here I'll use very new age term, to a very Pison, a very Pison intellectual uh, hey, can I share the four spiritual laws with you, where you try to share the four spiritual laws with people today, and they're like, hey, man, there's there's no loss to spirituality. And, and so a lot of times we need to start with power encounters that end in truth encounter. Yeah. How do I know your God is God? How did Pharaoh know? How did Pharaoh? You'll bring her 10 commandments. Your God is God. Because of signs and wonders. All right. Hey, let's talk about the future real quick. Future real quick. Any last thoughts before I go off on another mini sermon? <laughs> uh, the thought that occurred to me a little, a little while ago was, 
It's the future of revival on a Zoom call. And I started, I wanted to say no. And yet saying no would mean that I'm limiting God somehow that he can't do things over a Zoom call. Of course he can. Well, every time I say God won't work in a certain way, God says, just, really? Oh, watch yeah, me. Watch this. Watch me, boomer. Yeah. He doesn't say, hold my beer. I don't think God says that. <laughs> but, you know, words to that effect is, yeah, you'd say I can't do things. Uh, well, watch this. Um, I do think that grassroots never goes out of style. I think the best communication form ever has always been person to person, regardless of the internet. Um, it's the most dramatic. You know, if I encounter, I didn't meet him, but I saw Lonnie Fresby once. He was a real person. All that stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really talked about I mean, we've talked about him, but we didn't really talk a lot about what the things that he did, you know. Um, you know, I think the best form of communication is, is will always be one to one. So that's my thought. Yeah. Well, support your local church. Yeah, I I think. I think one of the things that has to happen, we have to recover our urgency. And uh, our generation had an eschatological expectancy. And um, that's a fancy way of saying is that we were looking for Jesus to come in our generation. Yeah. Are you looking for Jesus to come in your generation? I want you to know there's there's more signs being fulfilled of Jesus coming in your generation than when we were kiddos. Mm -hmm. And again, shameless plug, Hope on the Way podcast. We have all these, these eschatology videos, nine signs of the return of Christ. We have our latest series on the millennial kingdom and the return of Christ. Um, we we evaluate we evaluate a a uh I'm gauging my words, folks. I don't want to rail. A very, a very, well, we, let me just say, we warn you about a, 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 an old theology that's creeping back into the evangelical mm. charismatic church, preterism. That means that the signs of Christ return, that they've all been fulfilled. Matthew 24, all fulfilled. Okay, we're, we want to warn you about that because, because people aren't going to expect the rise of the, the last day's deception in the Antichrist. We talk about it very reasonable. We talk about the apostolic church. That's why you need to watch that video. Are you biblical or apostolic? What did the apostolic church believe about the Antichrist? Did they believe he already came? Anyway, moving on, we need to regain an, an eschatological urgency as Jesus is coming again. And we need to share the good news. And another thing we need to do, another thing, and this is this is a revival that has been going on for many years, 
Okay, you know, there's this old poem, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, then he had the big fall, then all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. There's a lot of speculation what that means, but let's just say that's the church. The church broke apart starting earlier, but especially in 1000 AD and 1000 East and West split, mm -hmm. and then the Protestant Reformation, 1500s, the church split. When Jesus comes back, he he will come back for one church that's only called by his name. And it will look like him. It will be an evangelical, charismatic, sacramental church. And I would really encourage you all to think about that as who Jesus was. What were the, what were the spiritualities that he expressed? He expressed the evangelical, charismatic, sacramental spiritualities. And within those, you could do sub-spiritualities. But but how did the apostolic church worship? And does it matter? You know, honestly, it didn't matter to us in the Jesus movement. Like, uh, what? <laughs> apostolic, what? You know, why would we care, man? We're doing our thing. Is it, does it matter how the, how the, the church that the apostles gave to their children? Does it matter? The church of the 100s? What was, what was the main thing in their service? Let me just tell you probably already know it was the eucharist it was communion it was it it was sharing in the body of christ and again i think god this is using an undercurrent and bringing the evangelical jesus movement children and grandchildren like myself children into um recovering the sacramental dimension of the gospel and i could get into a whole bunch of that again if you want to know more about that check out our websites hopeontheway.info and missioners.info hopeontheway.info and missioners.info okay last commercial there <laughs> okay if you're still listening to us boy you let us get away with a lot and you're probably doing a lot of, okay, boomer, you grumpy old guys. I hope we haven't been too grumpy. I don't think we have. Any of you kiddos listening to us, we love you. We love you. We love what God is doing in you. We want God's best for you. And I'll just be forthright with you is, is I believe that my generation has failed you because you needed, you needed mentors. You needed spiritual mothers and fathers and there wasn't enough of them to go around. We had the greatest revival in the history of the, of the United States, uh, and, and there wasn't enough mentors to go around for you. And you're fewer than us. And uh, forgive us for failing you. And those of you who are listening to me right now, maybe you're older than, than me, you're late 60s early 70s maybe even older and and these are churning up memories for you listen this younger generation needs spiritual fathers and mothers get back into the game there's so many of you who have left the church yeah you've left the church you abandoned you abandoned your children repent and get back into the church and get busy the church won't be perfect until Jesus comes again. You know that? Come on. Oh, that this is a boomer thing. 
Those of you who are looking for the perfect church, you will never find it. Doesn't mean you go to a bad, abusive church no. either. Hey, you've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast. This is Father John. I'm in my civvies today. I'm rocking the uh, V-neck tee. Hopefully I'm rocking it. Probably not. I'm rocking the stretched out <laughs> neck tee. We're, we're Jesus Movement California <laughs> Casual. We love you. Let me bless you. Pray with me, then I'll bless you. Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit. Just what Lonnie prayed, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, a greater dimension of Acts chapter 2 in our generation. Lord, Lord, pull, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Lord, interrupt our routine. Smash our paradigms. Break beyond the artificial walls and barriers we put up. Lord, as the prophet said, Lord, we've heard of your fame. We've heard of what our ancestors saw you do. And Lord, we pray that you would repeat it in our day. Now, may Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you. May his peace be with you. And may his infilling of the Holy Spirit fall upon you. And may you go out and start little fires. May you be a Holy Spirit arsonist in this generation. Amen. Amen. God bless you.